welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This sermon is taken from the 2010 Annual Missions Conference. This is the second morning service of Sunday the 6th of June 2010, and the Bible reading is taken from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Here's Brother Richard Rolls. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Peter said, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Look at verse 13, please. Yea, I think it meet as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would help us this morning. We might speak exactly what you want said, nothing more, nothing less. And I pray, dear Lord, that you'd give all of us open hearts, receptive hearts, God, I ask you that you'd just help us today to see exactly what you want us to see, and Father, to be exactly what you want us to be. I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. For his sake we pray. Amen. All right. Question, why should we have a mission conference? Peter had given a number of things in verses 5 through 11, things that would uh, uh, help the people, things to help them to grow, and very important things. And he said, I'm, I'm going to keep you reminded of these things, though you know them, that you might be established in the present truth. And he said, I think as long as I'm in this body, this tabernacle, he's referring to his body, uh, he said to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And that's the goal and the purpose of having missionary conferences is that our hearts might be stirred and uh, that our remembrance might be kind of jogged a little bit and uh, this, in turn, will help us. I've noted it over the years that only 10% of the churches that give to missions do this through mission conferences. Uh, only 10% of the churches. But listen to this. 90% of all that is given to missions comes through those 10% of churches. That's shocking, isn't it? Amen? I remember Dr. Harold Seitler years ago very godly, very wise and successful pastor, one of the strongest voices for fundamentalism of our days gone by. In my lifetime, I was a member of his church for a good while. And he said this, he said, we want to take on missionaries. We want to obligate God to bless us. And he'd say that again and then again. And I hadn't been going to that church very long at that time. We joined not long after we moved to South Carolina in 1980. But that bothered me. And uh, I did. I respected him too much as my pastor and also him being an older man. I respected him too much to get in his face and say, Dr. Sartler, I don't agree with that. You know, uh, I felt like that as the pastor, by the way, the word pastor, if you, I challenge you to search this in the Bible, it means overseer. Amen. But I respected him. And I began praying about that because it bothered me. You know what the Lord showed me? He's saying again and again, I want to obligate God to bless our church. We want to take on missionaries. I began studying, began praying, and the Lord showed me that he is obligated to support the church that supports missionaries. Dr. Sartre went on to say this. He said, every church ought to have a mission conference every year if nobody but the pastor and deacons attended it every year. Now, 
Why should we have mission conferences? Number one, because mission programs will not run on autopilot. Now, airplanes will, and you might have locomotives that will. I'm going to tell you something. Mission programs will not. Uh, Just as we need revivals, family life conferences, Bible conferences, seminars, listen, we need mission conferences. God blesses them. And uh, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be hard put to find a church that does very much for missions that does not use mission conferences. These conferences renews the burden and the visions for souls, not just souls abroad, but souls here at home. And it helps you in growing your church as well. But then number two, here's why we need a mission conference. Number two is because it keeps our focus right. Did you hear that? It keeps our focus right. In the book of Acts, you find where they had great revival, thousands of people getting saved. But the Lord had told them to go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, as I dealt with in the Sunday school. And they didn't do that. Uh, I mean, just they're just kind of right there in Jerusalem enjoying all the blessings. And by Acts chapter 5, hypocrites show up. Acts chapter 6, major dissension in the church. Acts chapter 7, more problems. And then finally in Acts chapter 8, God sent great persecution to get the church out of Jerusalem and out to go out and do what the, he had told them to do in the missions. And they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. You find that in verse 4 of Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, the end result was churches, a great number of churches scattered throughout all of Judea and Samaria and uh, round about, and they were edified, walking in the fear of the Lord. God knew what he was doing when he let the persecution come. And I'm going to tell you, folks, I believe time and time again, God has permitted churches to have problems, end up splitting, and the split splits and the split split splinter, and he does this because it ends up with more churches being established and more missionary work being done because when the church splits and they're down about half what they were, folks said, well, man, we was up to about 70, 80 people, 100 people, and uh, this church is split. They go to work, and next thing you know, they're running 70, 80 people, and they said, well, we ain't going to let them outdo us. They left us, and next thing you know, uh, you multiply by dividing. Now, I don't agree with all the reasons, motivations behind all of that, But I'm going to tell you, uh, that's one of the ways that I believe God multiplies his church. And be much better just send missionaries out, not to have all that confusion. Amen. Hey, keeps our focus right. I grew up on a farm. And uh, I remember my mother would send off order a hundred chickens. You know, they'd they'd come in and she liked white legging chickens. I don't know why they got that name. But uh, those chickens were just white. I mean solid white. And when those chickens get up a little bit of size and uh, they got these white feathers on them, I noticed something. If one of those chickens got a speck of cold sud or whatever on them, other chickens started pecking them because they knew they're supposed to be white. I don't guess they can see good. I don't know. But they'd peck, 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 peck. And next thing you know, they would peck that chicken so long on that speck that they would have a that they'd actually the, they would start bleeding. And then the blood would start flying out on other chickens, and they'd start pecking each other. If you didn't get the ones out that was injured, they would literally peck themselves to death. Now, I've seen that happen. 
I've seen where holes were actually pecked down in, in the chicken that was that it started out with, and they're running. You know, that's, that happens in churches. If we don't keep our eyes on souls, if we don't keep our vision and our focus right, we're not looking out abroad and our hearts staying aflame with souls. Next thing you know, we're like, well, I don't like what Charlie's doing. Well, I don't like what you're doing either. And we start looking at each other. And the next thing you know, there's a pecking going on and everybody's injured. Amen. I've seen it over and over. And when you keep your eyes and focus on missions, our hearts stay aflame. Listen, God honors that. And, uh, we're blessed and God's pleased with people being saved. But then here's another reason why we ought to have mission conferences. Number three, we ought to do it to instruct new members that come into the church and then to keep the old ones re-instructed. Amen. How are the new folk going to know if you don't have a meeting? You don't have these meetings to help them, teach them on faith, promise, giving, teach them on the blessedness of getting the gospel out through the giving. And then as we're teaching and going along, we, some, we sometimes find people that sit in the churches year after year after year, older members that's already heard it, and uh, then one day it clicks. Hey, I see what they're saying. I'm going to get involved too, amen. And uh, it helps to instruct the new members and helps to actually get the older ones that haven't picked up on it instructed. Let me give you another thing that happens. Mission conferences purge your church. You say, preacher, what in the world are you talking about? Listen, there are people floating around that don't mean business for God. I'm telling you, now, I, I don't want to be ugly, and I hope, listen, if you're searching for the right reason and you've come here and God's put you here, amen, you're right here for the right purpose, fine. But I'm going to tell you, over in the United States of America, we've got some folk that are called church hoppers. Anybody ever heard of them? Man, they go to this church for a while, and they'll get a big stir going and a problem going and, uh, you know, the split and everything. And they'll go to the next church and they're not over there, but about six months, maybe a year. And they got another racket going over there. And then they go to the next church and do the same thing again. Just hop, 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 hop. Hmm? But you know what those folk find? They come into a church that loves God and you're giving not only your tithes and your offerings, but you're giving heartily to missions and the pastor is teaching that and other people are embracing that. They say, man, I don't know. I don't, I don't believe I fit here. I just don't think I fit here. This is not the kind of church I'm looking for. And uh, it'll weed those people out, amen, time and again before they even come in. Can you say amen there? Amen. It'll help purge your church. I heard, uh, I heard a preacher preaching is kind of rough around the edges a little bit. He said a lot of churches need a good old-fashioned purgative. And a good dose of mission will, will bring that about. Amen. All right. Number five, here's another reason. Mission conferences will enable you to grow your missionary outreach. Amen. It helps you to first sustain what you already have, but you can add new missionaries as a result of going on. I'm going to tell you, folks, I've seen churches that had mission conferences and boy, their mission program was going forward and growing. And then all of a sudden you get a pastor that comes in and he doesn't know anything about really supporting missionaries. And he looks at this as a waste and he cuts the mission conferences out and the church continues giving for a while. But if you look at the line, if you're drawing it on a graph, it goes along like this after they've quit. And then it starts going off like this. And it dribbles down time and again 
almost nothing. Dr. Lee Robertson, pastor of Great Highland Park Baptist Church, thousands and thousands of members of that church. It was nothing for them to have 10,000, 12,000 people in Sunday school on any given Sunday. But he said this, everything rises and falls on leadership. Amen? And uh, when you're having a mission conference, you're helping to add more missionaries. There are many, many places around the circle of the earth that have, there's darkness. I'm telling you, nothing but spiritual darkness. And when you're sending out more missionaries, you're helping to put light in those dark places. Amen. I know, listen, the devil doesn't like it. He'll battle you and fight you, but you're getting the gospel out. Amen. I tell I tell new pastors, when they schedule their first mission conference, I tell them, I said, brother, you be prepared. I'm telling you, the devil's going to pull the stops out and do everything in his power to discourage you from going and leading your church forward in this area because you are a threat to the devil's kingdom. He doesn't like this. The last church I went in, the brand new church, was back in, uh, let me think, in uh, February of this year. I told that pastor, Brother Mark Williamson, I mean, I, I'm acquainted with that church, been in that church for, for a number of years, preaching just single services, tried to get the former pastor to have mission conference. He wouldn't do it. But this new pastor, pastor's grandson, I mean, doing a tremendous job. God's hand is on that fellow. I'm even getting his messages, amen. And he's a much younger man. But I'm going to tell you something. I told Brother Mark, I said, Brother, when you get this mission conference scheduled, you better be prepared because it's going to happen. It's going to be on. And so I went on for the meeting about six weeks later after we'd scheduled it. You know what that young man told me? He said, Brother Rawls, he said, in all of my Christian life, I have never had such, such a battle. I've never had such an attack on me. He said, I'm telling you, even my in-laws, he said, this has happened. That's happened. And he wasn't, he said, I'm telling you, he said, I almost caved in under the pressure. That's exactly what the devil wanted him to do. I told another young preacher, Brother Kurt, uh, 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 Brother uh, Curtis, uh, can't remember his name now, Brother Curtis. But uh, anyway, I, Kurt Thomason, that's it. Uh, senior moments, amen. Anybody know about those? Had a new meeting scheduled with him, first meeting. I told him, I said, Brother Kurt, I said, I'm going to forewarn you. The devil's going to attack you, do everything he can to prevent you from having this meeting. And I said, you be forewarned. He told me after I got down there to start the meeting, he said, Brother Ross, I'm glad you told me this because he said, I'm telling you, it has been on. He said, I would have canceled this meeting if you hadn't told me that. But he said, because you told me, I knew where the attack and what the difficulty was and where it's coming from. I said, well, amen, brother. He said, listen, crazy stuff, strange stuff has happened. Fairly small church, about half the size, maybe not quite half the size of this one. But uh, he said, even the air conditioners of our members and this church, he said, I think every single air conditioner that's owned by a member of this church went out since we scheduled this meeting. You said, that's crazy. I know it's crazy. Who you think's behind that junk? The devil. Amen. Hey, but it'll help you to grow and sustain your missionary outreach. 
And then missionary conferences. Are you ready? Helps sustain the giving and support of your general fund. Now, preacher, what are we doing? Hey, I'm going to tell you something. First of all, God's pleased with our mission giving. He's pleased with mission conference. He's pleased with the emphasis on it. But uh, mission conferences has a great bearing, great bearing on your general fund giving in this church. I've seen churches where their members would not tithe. I mean, the pastor talked with him and talked with them and tried to teach them and tried to, and they just wouldn't do it. And the pastor started having mission conferences. And the people got excited and God moved in their hearts and they started tithing, some of them, so they could give to missions. Because really you can't give to missions if you're not tithing. If I owe you $3,000 and I come, hey, I'm going to give you 100 bucks. How am I going to give you 100 if I owe you 3000 Amen? Time and time again, we've seen this. In fact, I don't say this boastfully. God's my witness. I've had pastors actually call me and say, Brother Rawls, our finances are down. Maybe a new pastor just gone to the church. We need to schedule a mission conference. Hmm? I remember a pastor named Stenet Ballou. In fact, I mean, many years ago, probably 45 years, 40, 45 years ago. And uh, this just one that comes to my mind. And uh, pastoring a very small church, running about 50 people in attendance. And they had a faith promise mission conference. Somebody asked him after the meeting was over. said, uh, how much did your people promise for your mission giving? He said, $100 a week. He said, he said well, they'll just take it out of their general giving. He said, how did it affect your general offering? He said, about $100 a week. He said, yeah, see there? They're taking it from what they put in the general fund and giving it to the missions. He said, no, no, no. He said, you misunderstand. He said, the general fund went up $100 a week with the missions faith offerings coming in $100 more a week. I was in Double Springs Missionary Baptist Church, Jonesboro, Tennessee, over in the U.S. Brother Curtis, you're well, well acquainted with that church. And uh, they're running about 70, 80 people in attendance. Pastor had the same problem. Couldn't get the people to tithe. He had taught a series of lessons on tithing. I didn't know this, but I came in and that Sunday morning close of the mission conference was the close of that series of messages that he just taught and closed the Sunday before I spoke on tithing in the Sunday school hour. I didn't know that he'd, you know, was having this difficulty, but I spoke on tithing and and then preached on missions, faith, promise, giving in the in the morning service. That church had a thousand dollars a week increase in their offering overall giving. The larger increase was in the tithes and offerings that started coming in. And I could go on and on. I think about a little church over in the edge of, let me think, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And, uh, hey, they were running, they were giving about $200 a week 
total income. Running about 65 in attendance, pastored Weldon Burnett. Been going to that church since clear back in 1980 every single year. Sometimes a number of times during the year. And they get $200 a week. That's about it. 65 people. And so Brother Burnett wanted me to preach a revival. I said, Brother, and I said, a mission conference and revival. And well, he said, you would preach a revival, wouldn't you? I said, well, yeah, but you, finally about the, let me think, I guess the second or third year, and I don't say this critically of Brother Burnett. If he was here, he'd laugh with me. He took a chance on one of these mission conferences. I go back a couple of months later. His offerings have gone from $200 a week total to like $800 one week, $1,600 the other week. And I said, Brother Burnett, are you all having a special fund drive? I was looking at the board they got hanging up there in the church. He's, he kind of talks a slow, drawling talk, you know. He said, no, Brother Rawls. He said, since the mission conference, our people have just started giving like that. That was their general offering. Mission offering in, in addition to that. It helps sustain and support your general offering and your general giving. But then number six, and I got to hurry Mission conferences help to enlist new workers, new missionaries. Perfect example is your pastor and his wife. Mission conference. Pardon my country expression, but I swear God nailed them. Amen. <laughs> I could call you many names. A.J. and Sandra McClure, precious missionaries in Australia. A.J. has gone on to be at the Lord now. Pat and Amy Burke, Eddie and Rita Darling, home missionaries in the state of New York, Nathan, Dina, Smoot in Alaska, Fritz and Helen Taplin, Mexico, Rudy and Nancy Waff, on and on and on. We could give you amen where God spoke and God drew and God called and they answered in mission conferences. And here's something else, number seven. With mission conferences, you get to meet your missionaries personally. You're not just giving to some kind of an idea. You're actually giving to people. And then mission conferences bring God's blessings upon your church. I've got a church in Blythewood, South Carolina. Been going to that church for some few years. I kept talking to the pastor and talking to the pastor. Brother Horst Kroyan, he's a precious German by birth, pastor, loves God, very intelligent, and uh, preaches the book. But they'd get up to about 25, 30 people, and they'd have a problem and a spat and back down to 20, you know, maybe 18 or 19. They'd get up to 35, 40, and have another problem, and they'd go back down to about 25. And uh, so finally, about a year ago, he's another dear pastor, and if he was here, he'd laugh with me. He took a chance on having a mission conference. God has started blessing that church. They can seat a grand sum total of 72 people in the auditorium. It's not big, Amen. They are now in the process of taking out two walls so they can have more room and putting in a closed-circuit sound system so the overflow from those where they're going to be able to seat near 100, the overflow can go back in the fellowship hall and they can be in on the service through the closed-circuit TV. 
You know what Brother Horse told me? He said, Brother Ross, you tried and tried to tell me. And he said, I couldn't see it. But he said, now listen to what he said. He said, when we quit making missions a part of the pie and made missions the whole pie, that's when our church came alive. That's when God started blessing our church. Amen. They're almost frantically trying to get a new building built so that they can have additional space and they've got plans for setting up a missionary training center and I don't know what all, and God's just blessing them abundantly. Amen. Well, I had a whole bunch more I want to tell you about. <laughs> Town East Baptist Church. Man, little shotgun church, 20 people in attendance and uh, had a mission conference. Back 19, clear back 1957. Had a goal set of 20 one hundred dollars. Fella comes in all excited. Brother, where's your church? Drives up, you know, the pastor's home. Pastor takes him over, and he said, when he saw that little shotgun building, he was talking about a fellow's feather just falling. He said, man, he just, you know. And he said, we go in, and he said, we got a thing up on the board, gold for twenty three hundred dollars. And he said, I got the ribbons up and post and decoration. Said he sat down on the front seat. And he said, uh, Pastor, come over and sit down with me. And he said, I went over and sat down by him. He said, put his arm around me. He said, Brother, I appreciate your goal and appreciate your zeal, but don't you think your goal might be a little too high? He said, I wouldn't be too disappointed if we don't reach it. And uh, I'm sorry, I said 23. It's 2100. And uh, Brother Joe West pulled away from that man. He said, Brother, I believe God's in this. I'll be very disappointed if we don't reach that goal. And he said, we had the mission conference. Listen, 2,100 wasn't promised. 2,300 was promised. 2,300 didn't come in. 3,000 came in. And he said, that same year, I'll give you this and I'm closing. Amen. But he said, that same year, we're driving around trying to find a place to build. And he said, we found a lot. He said, I felt like this is where God wanted our church. They tried to buy that little old building they're in. And God just closed the door on them again and again. But he said, I found this piece of property. Today's money would be the equivalent of near a half a million dollars they wanted for that property. And he said, made an appointment, went over to see the man that owned it, the real estate man. And he said the man was nice enough to see me out of his office when he found out we didn't have a building fund, didn't have any general fund, only had 20 people. And half-heartedly said, if you folk get something worked out, we'd like to work with you. He said, a few days later, I was praying in my private devotions, and God said, you call that man and tell him. You go over there and see him, tell him that I said for him to give you that property. He said, that man will throw me out of his office. He said, God said, you leave that up to me. You do what I tell you. And he said, I called the man up, made an appointment, went over to see him. Lady, you know, ushered him into the office. Fellas all excited, said, you got something worked out by that property? I understand. He said, no, sir. He said, I don't understand. Isn't that what this meeting's about? He said, no, sir. He said, I was praying in my private devotions a while ago, and God told me to tell you to give us that property. He said, that man fell back in that big old high-back chair behind that great big executive desk and kind of rubbed on his chin and Thumped on the desk and said, he sat there and looked at me. He said, I looked at him. And he looked at me and I looked at him. 
He said, what kind of church you preacher, you, you, you folks going, you, you planning on building preacher? He said, one that loves God, loves souls, sends missionaries out around the world, helps to get lost people saved, helps make better citizens out of the reprobates that are going around, don't know how to get their lives straightened out. And he said, that man said, reached over in one of those old-fashioned intercom systems, pushed the lever down, said to his secretary, said, you bring the title deed to property number so-and-so. Over said, we're going to deed that to Town East Baptist Church. And they gave them that property would be valued at near a half a million dollars in our money today. God let them have the funds to come in through that little church and other sources and as they started up building, when the last nail was driven and the last brush of paint was put on the walls and the last bit of carpet inside, every single bit was paid for. God honors missions. Their mission conference ran Sunday through Sunday. We just have a little one, don't we? Let's stand, please, their heads bowed and eyes closed. Our Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd take the words spoken. Use them for your glory. And I pray, dear God, that you'd help us, Father, that we might be faithful. Do exactly what you want us to do. And I pray that you'd help us that our hearts would be stirred. And, Lord, that we'd be found faithful, giving, going, doing all that you, you see fit for us to please you. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. For our sake, we pray. Amen.